Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror the Card Game. Every fortnight or month or whenever we can manage it, we like to talk about particular cards in Arkham Horror or particular traits or particular investigators and sometimes we like to talk about other things too. I'm joined today by... Uh, It's me, Peter. Hello. Hi, Peter. Uh, I'm called Frank. I didn't introduce myself then, but everyone knows who I am, I hope. We're getting better at this. Yeah, this is It's much more smooth and slick and professional now. Uh, I hope so, or <laughs> I'm just flying more and more by the seat of my pants. So today, what we wanted to do was... We heard Matt talking about the design of the Dunwich Legacy, and one of the things he said was that he almost views it like a TV series. So what today is going to be is a water cooler conversation between two people who've, who've played the scenario and you know what we think of it how we think it fits into the overall narrative of the Dunwich and maybe what we think is going to happen I don't know we'll see how it goes it's funny you mentioned the water cooler moment because I don't watch very much television but the, there are a couple of tv shows that I do watch where my colleagues at work will say have you seen it yet have you seen have you seen that episode yet the sort of the cliche of what one says about a television show and I realised that we do message each other, don't we, Peter, saying, have you played that scenario yet? Have you, got, you, have you played it? Have you got it? Yeah, have you did, played it? Yeah, did, yeah did, this, did this thing happen yet? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what resolution did you get? What happened? What happened? Which is, um, it's more than just the, experience, the mechanical experience of playing the game, isn't it? It's also a case of wanting to know how much of the story your friend knows and can you reveal that thing to them do you want to talk to them about it yeah so before we go any further let's just have a spoiler warning now now our usual spoiler policy is that we stay a pack behind for story spoilers and we're up to date for player spoilers but today obviously we're going to be talking about the Dunwich Legacy in detail so there will be quite specific story spoilers on Blood on the Altar and the previous packs as well so if you haven't had a chance to play yet, what you're waiting for, go ahead and get it and play it. Uh, and then we'll still be here when you have. Yeah, yeah. Put us on pause right now. Open up your pack, play, and then hit play on us again. So, yeah, so that, that Blood on the Altar then, what, what did you think? I I loved it. I mean, you know I'm enthusiastic about this game, but <laughs> there was something particularly atmospheric about going from a very linear story, scenario rather, in Essex, and then it sort of, just if you look at the shape of the cards on the table, from a line to then becoming a, a sort of a sunburst or a flower opening once we arrived in Dunwich itself, the art was so evocative on the different locations, there was really this sense of not knowing what I was up against. Yeah, the the... the I think the atmosphere is the thing I love the most. I must admit, we, we got some of the connections wrong so we were, had connections going we, we we had assumed it was like a, a wheel with spokes when it's not quite like that it's a bit more of a maze yeah but you you really got the feeling from the art and the descriptions uh, and even the encounter cards that this was a really run down rotten place what's that the encounter sordid and silent yes which which we've had sitting waiting to be used because it came in the Dunwich Legacy big box. Yeah, we have I've yeah. seen that card <laughs> and it's just been waiting to rear its head. It was so great to sort of finally put that in a encounter deck and have to deal with it. And there's a, there was a real sense for me of waiting for the bad thing to happen. 
because you read in the description that you've you've woken up and uh, Zebulon and Earl Sawyer have both vanished and you're like well obviously something's something's gone wrong <laughs> and no one you're walking around the town and no one's talking to you they're just staring at you yeah and wherever you go you're you're meeting something nasty basically yeah and and, and you know you're looking for a hidden compartment or a hidden chamber as well so you know you're going to find something horrible but it's just you've got a sense of dread until you do yeah it's it's like a little bit like a sort of inverse game show isn't it it's not where there's a nice prize in every box it's like there's a nasty thing in every box and whichever box you choose is not going to be nice but you still have to choose one yeah obviously you could just resign straight away but that's not how i how i play yeah really really very evocative and i like the fact that they mess with the connections i'm glad you mentioned that it means if you spend time looking at where they all link up that really puts you in the place of the investigator trying to work out how this little village is laid out and why you go down one street and it doesn't lead to the schoolhouse where you thought it would. It actually leads to the brook or a ruined house. And then you try and go back and you realise you can't go back the way you thought you could. It's just, it's wonderful that you're experiencing what your investigator is experiencing, this sort of sense of dislocation. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to mechanics as well, I think... Well, first of all, I'll say I I like how this brought together a lot of strands for the first time that have have been left hanging. I know quite a few people were maybe disappointed with Essex County Express because it just seemed to hang in the void and it, it didn't really feel like it connected. It was almost like a bridge between the early part of the story and the later part. Yeah, particularly I, that there was I, no in fact, a literal positive bridge. resolution. Yeah, the res- you know the best resolution you can get in Essex is nothing bad happens. You got the train restarted, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing bad happens. And people were a little bit surprised by that, I think. And I think that's such, that's such a shot across your bows, a, a, such a warning sign of what, what you can hope for in success, rather than just being like, oh, they didn't think of anything. It's, I took that to mean... The best you can hope for is that you open a box and there's nothing nasty in it. <laughs> it's not. Don't wait for a glittering jewel. So on top of tying together some of those threads, so bringing in Naomi's gang. I don't know. Had you? Did you still have a bone to pick, or did they have a bone to pick? I with did. You? Yes. Yes, I did. So, so you had monsters showing up in the village. Yeah, and there's only that. I mean, that's a really interesting point. The way to avoid having them with a bone to pick with you is to play to get sort of into the detail, to play House Always Wins second and then to rescue Peter Clover, is that right? And that's a pretty hard ask. And yes, yes. replaying this campaign when we do, I think it's worth thinking about as a possible option. You're removing four enemies from the the Blood on the Altar deck and another two cards, which isn't insignificant. Well, that said, though, the, the, the enemies, compared to what they could be, if you're more if you've got a more fighting focused group you know the enemies aren't that hard to deal with some of them are only they're what they're two 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 aren't they and then there's four yeah. two two yeah so they're relatively straightforward enemies and they don't do a huge amount of damage so you might consider that you prefer having those guys in the encounter deck than you know some of the more horrible stuff that crops up yeah that's true that's true you maybe you maybe want to dilute the encounter deck in that way i think it's a nice point to consider for future runs what some of the ramifications are. Absolutely, yeah. I guess the, the, the big kind of set-piece mechanic is the kidnapping on this scenario. And it, it 
yes. brings back those professors who've been kidnapped earlier on in the campaign. So you actually have a chance to pick up anyone that you've missed so far. Yeah. Uh, as well as if a couple, you can... yeah, if you can if you can find them, as well as a couple of other new allies as well. But there's a significant amount of risk here because someone will likely get, uh, and I think this triggers on the first time the agenda advances. Yeah, one of the the allies that has been kidnapped, whether that's one from your deck or one that's been kidnapped earlier on, is gone for good for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, so the in a way, the best best case scenario is that you've picked up two story allies already at this point, and then you absolutely blast through Blood on the Altar and manage to free the remaining three, so Zebulon and Earl and whichever of Morgan and Rice you didn't have already. But the chance of being able to blast through it that quickly, I think I think it might be impossible. I mean, I'm sure someone will prove me wrong, but it it's pretty tall order to get through the scenario in five turns six six investigator turns yeah so likely you're losing one of morgan and rice and or earl sawyer and zebulon waitley i think we we lost it was only earl sawyer that we lost we managed to get through before the agenda advanced again and we didn't none of the kidnapped cards we didn't fail the test on any of the kidnap cards, or or if we did, it was when we didn't have an ally. So no one else got kidnapped. So I had a, a really rough time with kidnapped, and I don't think I'm the only person who's had this. I was playing as Ashcan Pete, and I had Armitage in my deck, and so I knew about kidnapped as a card, and I thought, well, I'm going to put Armitage into play, and if I draw kidnapped, that gives me a little bit of a, a shield for my lovely dog, Duke. And I drew Kidnapped and took the agility test. And I was two up on the agility test, which was nice. And I drew Tentacle. Oh, no. Failed. <laughs> so Armitage got taken and shuffled into the... the Kidnapped deck. The, the Kidnapped deck, the Kidnapped pile. And Kidnapped then gets attached to the agenda, which means you're going to have another person sacrificed. And the very next turn, I drew from the encounter deck, Kidnapped. And I drew a minus four on my test. So Duke then was also kidnapped in the same scenario. Interestingly, I managed to complete the scenario just with a fire axe and my own, and my magnifying glass, I managed to find the chamber, I already had the key, and deal with what lurked within it. So how, how did you deal with, uh, is it uh, Silas? Silas is in the yeah, chamber? Yeah, Silas Bishop, yeah. With a fire axe. Oh right, you just how chopped I, him up. how I dealt with him. <laughs> Yeah, it was a choice between getting eight clues or doing six damage, and I plumped for the damage. My my Ashcampete deck runs Vicious Blow, so that becomes a really handy card for just adding a little bit of extra damage. You know, in, in theory, you can you can do it in two hits if you have both Vicious Blows. So I I love that moment where you you flip the act and it, it tells you to turn over all of the locations. Yes. Yeah, and you're like, why am I doing this? And then there's all the clues on every location, and they all get added, and all the clues on your characters as well. Because I, yeah, I, I was sitting there with Rex with, I don't know, seven or eight clues on him, and su- suddenly they all get dumped in, and I've got to, oh my god, I've got to get, I've got to find all these clues yet again. So I think we had fifteen clues in the chamber there. That said, we we got very lucky 
the first location I went to turned out to be the hidden chamber, and then the <laughs> okay the second the second location had the key in it. Wow. And were you then like, you just decided we're not even going to go to the other locations, we're just going to crack on then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I figured at that, at that point speed was of the essence because we had, yeah, there was the three people under the deck as in something called the kidnapped deck. And I was re- recalling there's a box on the, the campaign log for sacrifice to Yogg off. So I thought, I don't want to risk this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you say that Duke, Duke got kidnapped. He did. And then I had this really painful... And there were two people from the five people in the kidnap deck underneath the agenda. And I had this really painful moment of flipping over who had not been sacrificed to see who was there. And fortunately, my pup was among them. Oh, thank God. So he's been returned to me. But we, I mean, we know that there's a, a query with Matt Newman at the moment about what happens if Duke is sacrificed. Because Pete's deck then becomes illegal because he has to run one copy of Duke. I have, I have seen... Um... Matt responding to, to comments of people who've had their dog sacrificed, just saying, sort of rough luck. No, no, <laughs> no, no pun intended there. Um, yeah, woof woof luck. <laughs> which is which is pretty horrible. Yeah. Imagine I mean, imagine having really, to play Pete really without horrible. so 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 from a mechanical point of view, having to play play Pete without Duke is 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 difficult. And also, and from a thematic point of view, having his dog sacrificed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time you try and do a test and you're taking a measly two intellect or two combat, you're going to feel sad, which is exactly how Ashcan Pete feels without you. Exactly. Which is just an amazing melding of experience where, again, you're being put completely in the shoes of the investigator. So, story-wise, for the, for the, for the campaign so far, where, where do you think we're going? Should we have a quick sum-up of what's happened? Yes, let's let's. So we started off in Arkham, searching for two hidden, uh, two missing professors who have disappeared a few months after the resolution of the Dunwich Horror. That happens within one night. We're we're setting off onto the streets of of Arkham after them, which also is eerily reminiscent of the Corset. Oh yeah, that's, of... that's a good point. Actually, the first three are all on, on the same night, aren't they? In the Corset, yes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So... so I like to pretend that my investigator on. On a Monday night, played the court, did the corset campaign, and then they returned to their burnt down house to find a note from their friend Professor Armitage saying, "If you could pop right over tomorrow, that would be great." <laughs> and they uh, they head over on a Tuesday to find that they're back on their mission again. <laughs> yeah, so in one night, we hunt for those investigators. Yep, yeah, we break into the museum off the back of at least one of them being kidnapped. Armitage is terrified for the safety of a certain book so he sends us to a museum and then almost immediately we decide we're going to go straight to Dunwich but there's there's certainly someone must be performing experiments in relation to the Dunwich horror i mean we have the experiment for a start yeah yeah which we think is probably a dog right well it's it's, it's seemed to be yeah the the core of a dog in whatever it became and it also seems that if not the professors, then at least Peter Clover might be involved, possibly. Or have yep. they just been? Have they been caught up by accident? It's it's hard to know, isn't it? Mm. Peter Clover is the owner of the Clover Club. Maybe he's just involved, sort of, because of his proximity to Francis Morgan, because Francis spends time in his club. When you go to the Clover Club and Morgan is there, 
there's there's a room full of people with kind of mannequins, aren't there? Of, of are they unconscious? Are they just drugged, or are they, has something happened to them? Because immediately after that, you're suddenly attacked by eldritch monstrosities. Yeah, and if you if you arrive late, those mannequins have been taken away, and Morgan is nowhere to be found. And instead, you have this opportunity to save Peter Clover. You wonder if he's only brought into the story because it was a wrong place at the wrong time, mm. or whether he has more to do with it. Yeah. So, so yeah, someone's definitely meddling with things that they shouldn't meddle with, much like a classic Lovecraft story. Yes, and we're seeing, we're seeing also, it's not just the sort of meddling and thinking, well, if we can just stop them in time, it'll be okay. There's also this feeling that it's the long tail of something that's happened before. You, it, it's not enough to, which is, it, it's quite a sort of classic Lovecraftian uh, motif which is that you think you escape the knowledge that you found, but sooner or later it will rear up again and cause you trouble. You think of all of the different Lovecraftian anti-heroes who are then much later in life either recording their story or recounting it to someone because it's wormed its way into their psyche and they can't quite shake it. It feels like what's happened to Armitage, Morgan and Rice just won't lie down and be gone. It's going to keep causing them problems and going to drag them back to the site of where they learned what they learned. So where do we think the story's going to go? It certainly seems from the preview articles like the last two packs at least become increasingly more abstract in where they are. Uh, We become more and more unseated from reality. Yeah. Looking at the campaign log gives us a little bit of a clue. The final three scenarios are undimensioned and unseen where doom awaits and lost in time and space. I mean, I would reason that undimensioned and unseen also sounds unseated in reality as well. Yeah, yeah. Although this could be a reference actually to the the Dunwich horror itself. I know, well, we did get the the powder of Ibn Gazi in the end of the last, as, as a reward at the end of the last scenario, Blood on the Altar, which is what they used to make the Dunwich Horror visible in the original story? Is that right? That sounds I think familiar, so, yes. Someone might allude to that in the in the, the Survivor's interlude uh, after Blood on, Blood on the Altar. And, and the cover of the pack for Undimension and Unseen has some huge monstrosity destroying a church. Well remembered. So, hmm, yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we're facing next time. Yes, and we know that the spoiler article, the marketing article about the pack... I think it alluded to not being able to investigate in conventional ways and not being able to fight in conventional ways. Is that right? Ah, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, um, I think I think it's when we get the upgraded right of seeking. Yes, and there was a story asset spoil, which is something like esoteric formula, was it? Yeah, that's right. Which which could potentially be a way of fighting whatever it is <laughs> that that someone has created. Yeah. Could, it could be. So this is this is one of the reasons why I'm really glad we're having this conversation now, because it feels like Blood on the Altar is both a culmination of what we've done before, but also the opening of a new chapter for what's going to be the final three scenarios of the campaign. It feels like a very good fulcrum on which everything hangs to a certain extent. So we've got that really nice feeling of a sort of um, mid-season climax of a tv show where 
characters that you only saw in the first episode have now appeared again and had a role to play but also it's it's not just that that through using the survivors interlude and the outcome of blood on the altar it feels like it's also setting us up on this springboard for what the second half of the campaign is going to be and that's that's really exciting yeah i mean i was almost considering it as an act one an act two and an act three so act one is is back in arkham act two would be you know essex and blood on the altar where we end up at the end of it having rescued the professors and knowing what it is we're about to face or being able to guess what it is we're about to face so we'll see how the the last act which is the 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 climax where we fight the bad guy <laughs> is what's coming up. Yeah, quite quite possibly, quite possibly. The climax where we fight the universe because we don't quite know how it works is coming up. It's funny because Essex, there are, so there are eight scenarios in this campaign, but extracurricular activity and House Always Wins are labelled 1A and 1B, so they, they aren't quite labelled as 1 and 2. So in my head, the halfway point was after Essex County Express, and I think other people must have thought that too, and that probably fed into that feeling of that was a weird halfway point because nothing really happens at the end of it beyond, you know, you didn't get sucked into the void. But Blood on the Altar feels much more like a halfway point climax, if such a thing is possible. Yeah, for sure. So if you have other thoughts of what you think might be happening in the next three scenarios why not send us an email we're on drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com we're on twitter as drawn to the flame podcast maybe we're on facebook as drawn to the flame you can find me on twitter i'm at fb that's eph underscore bee and i'm also on discord as zooey glass and ffg as zooey glass and you can find peter everywhere so I'm United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Reddit. I'm on Discord. I'm on Twitter. So come and say hello. If you if you think this is a an interesting style of episode, we've kept it quite short because we just wanted to really just have a quick one where we talked about the pack. Then you know let us let us know if this is the kind of thing you think's interesting. Uh, if no one listens to it, then maybe we will do it again. I don't know. <laughs> Nicely put. Yeah. As with many of the things we do, there's probably loads more to say, but our aim is not to be entirely comprehensive. It's just to give a flavour and get the conversation going. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, so Today this episode we're doing... Oh, man, we've screwed it up already. <laughs> Over to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, right, okay.